Welcome to the first edition of our expanded weekly Arkansas AgCast. Each week, we'll feature a collection of in-depth interviews with farmers, ranchers, researchers, state leaders, and others about Arkansas's top industry, agriculture. I'm Ken Moore, and I'm your host for this week's episode, which focuses on soybeans, one of the state's most important crops. Arkansas soybean growers have faced a lot of challenges in 2019, from weather to trade wars. So we talked to some experts to see where things stand as we enter harvest season. First up, Keith Sutton talks to Derek Haigwood, a soybean farmer from Newport, who is chairman of the U.S. Soybean Export Council and a member of the United Soybean Board of Directors. Derek talks about the troubled season and the importance of the U.S. Soybean Sustainability Assurance Protocol, or SSAP. Welcome, Derek, to AgCast. Good to be here, Keith. We're glad to have you today. It's been a, a, a year where our farmers, and particularly our soybean farmers, have had a rough year trying to get things going their way. It's been a, a year of heavy rains and floods, and farmers can't get their beans in the ground, and then when they did, they, they had problems, had to come back, try to replant. It's just been really a rough year. But... We know there's something, kind of a, a glimmer uh, on the horizon of something good going on, and we want to talk about that today. So tell us a little bit about what what's coming up that you've been involved with, with USEC. I'd be glad to, Keith. And, and talking about the this planning year, it's it's been really encouraging to, to see the determination of these Arkansas soybean farmers. When you talk about replanting and hitting those small windows we had this spring, uh, when you drive across the state, you see such a wide range of soybean maturity. I've got soybeans that are potted out, look like you know they're gonna be a great crop, and then I have soybean fields that a rabbit would be afraid to run across because there's no cover to hide in. So we've got it here in Newport too, and, and I've spent a lot of time uh, working with USB and working with USEC Uh, We're trying to do everything we can because not only have we had to deal with the weather, we're dealing with these tariffs. Uh, There's the market is in disarray right now. We 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 have no idea where this price point is going to be when it when harvest time comes. When I speak to fellow farmers and we talk about uh, booking soybeans and how many bushels do you have locked in for this fall, the number is staggeringly low. It's low for myself. No one knows where we're going to be at this time. And it's and it's a fear factor that's setting in across all U.S. farmers. So uh, there is a light, though, and, and there's, there's small things that just keep coming to the top that we're seeing. Uh, what I wanted to talk to, to you about today and our listeners was it's SSAP RED. And some people may know about it. Some people may have read about it. And it's uh, when I say that, there's a lot of acronyms, and I'll try to make sure I explain myself well. SSAP is Soy Sustainability Protocol or Assurance Protocol. And what that what that protocol is, uh, it just reemphasizes that U.S. soy farmers farm sustainably. When we separate U.S. soy from the rest of the world. 
it's there's obvious differences when we talk about deforestation in South America and and you know the slash and burn techniques that they use and and uh, that that's, you don't see that happening here in the U.S. we've had in place for almost a hundred years uh, soil conservation and all these farming practices that the U.S. farmer and the Arkansas farmer continually critiques and develops to be sustainable farmers. So with, with no filling out of the paperwork, with no uh, extreme effort put forth by the farmer, if you participate in these government programs, if you have a 578 and you certify your crops, you almost immediately are eligible to be considered a soybean, a sustainable soybean farmer because of the practices that U.S. farmers use. And that's going to be important to our listeners as we go along because of this directive that's coming up. Sure. And so the red is the renewable energy directive. And so earlier this year, in I believe in January of this year, the EU put this initiative out that that they were going to reduce their renewable energy or their their uh, fossil fuels intake and their their energy they were going to reduce their consumption by 20 percent 10 percent of that reduction is going to be in transportation so and their trains their ships their their vehicles uh, diesel burning engines there they want to reduce their consumption of fossil fuels by 10% in that sector alone, 20% overall. And that's by 2020. So they've got to get on the ball here. Well, our team at USEC has been working. Uh, we have a, an amazing team that works on market access. And we've done a lot of work in the EU and we have for many, many years. And so recently, the EU approved this SSAP RED, this Renewable Energy Directive, where they are going to import U.S. sustainable soybeans, crush it, and take the take the byproduct, this soy oil, which is 20% of the soybean, and they are going to use that to make their biofuels. So they they are wanting to buy a sustainably grown crop, a renewable fuel, and the U.S. just happens to be the largest producer of sustainable soybeans. So we're going to join forces with them. We want to sell our soybeans. We need new markets. We need more markets to fill in the gap that we're having with China right now. The EU has been a large customer. They've been our number two customer. But this is going to increase new sectors that we can step into with, with our soybeans. So it, it might seem to some of the farmers listening, boy, I'm going to have to go through some rigmarole to show that I'm a sustainable soybean farmer. But that's not the case, right? It's not going to be as difficult as some people might imagine. It's, it's actually very easy. So all they have to do, producers that deliver soybeans to a certified elevator, they'll be asked to sign a self-declaration document. If, if the listeners want to know more about it, there's websites about it. It's www.ssap-red.org. 
they can go. There's information there. This is not some stack of paperwork that farmers are going to have to sit down and go over. This isn't a, a program where, oh, they didn't check the right box or, hey, they ended up, they had to double disc a field, which we all know after the fall last year. Yeah, we had to, we had to maintain our ground. We had to get things back in shape. It wasn't an optimal year, but still we're sustainable. And so this self-declaration document, it creates no legal, no financial liability for the producers. But the only thing it does do is it gives consent for on-farm participation uh, for a third party to come in and review. It doesn't, it's, it's, you know, it'll be a random check and it's, it's nothing intrusive. They're not, it's not going to be like sitting down with the IRS or something like that. It'll just be a checklist. It'll be a self-declaration and it's, you're not going to get reprimanded or fined or anything if you made a mistake. And probably already most of our farmers in Arkansas are producing sustainable soybeans right absolutely 98 percent of our growers are producing they're not going to have to do anything extra other than uh assure that this is that they are sustainable they can sit down with they can contact their elevator if bungie is the one doing this right now other elevators are going to jump on board because this is going to be such a, a great opportunity to to sell in the eu and if if our producers go to that website or call if they're delivering to bungie call bungie and ask them about this they will be shocked at how easy this process is how quick it is how non-intrusive this is so this is really a big deal usec always is working trying to help our farmers this this is a really big deal that usec's been working on for quite a while to make it happen right Absolutely. We've, we've, I think we're in our sixth year. I'm not sure, Keith, but I think this is our sixth year with the SSAP. And this is, the SSAP was set up by farmers like myself. I participated in this. And then I've actually am going to participate when we redo this. And it will probably be in 2020. And I've been asked to participate. It's people like me that grow soybeans and crops just like our listeners today that's what i do for a living i get the privilege to sit on these boards and do this and so this is these are rules and regs and and qualifications set up by farmers i don't want to sit down and fill out the paperwork that you do at the a or at the fsa office or the nrcs office this we we already deal with those things but those things that we're doing at those offices are what help us qualify to be sustainable so we've already done the paperwork let's take advantage and let's differentiate ourselves from the rest of the soy growing world and so and show that look we are sustainable and this is why you want us if you're concerned about your carbon footprint if you're concerned about these when our end users when especially in the eu they're they're becoming very aware of that process they look to us we've already had this in place it's easy for the farmer. It's great for them as consumers to buy. And they love to put the sticker on it saying this is sustainably produced. And, and overall, this could amount to millions of additional bushels of soybeans going to the European Union besides 
the millions that we're already selling there. Is that correct? Absolutely. We, you know, the EU is a huge purchaser of U.S. soy as as we speak now. The numbers have greatly increased this year and last year because Brazil has has sold a huge majority of their crop to China with the tariffs that they have on U.S. soy. They have China buying from Brazil and the EU filling in that gap with U.S. soy. So. So once they get a taste of U.S. soy, and that becomes their preference, not only is it sustainable, but we have a great nutrition package in our soybeans, the amino acid profile that we have, all these different things separate and, and create a preference for U.S. soy. Well, is there anything else that you feel like we need to discuss so our listeners will understand this more? It seems like it's really not as difficult as they might think it's a good thing that'll help soybean farmers in arkansas uh, it's kind of a no-brainer we want to see everybody get involved it really is um, if you're listening to this program you're an eligible farmer call your elevator ask them about this uh, go online it takes just a little bit of time and 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 go ahead and and get your yourself as, as a certified seller to these elevators it's it's there's not going to be it, it's going to be much easier than you think and and keith like you said it's it sounds too easy let's take advantage of that we need every advantage we can right now as arkansas soybean farmers we've we we are fighting battles that that we can't you know influence uh you know you can't worry about what tweets coming out next you can't worry about what rain cloud is coming across the state next uh, but this is something that you can do and this is something that uh, that will will help move the pile that we are starting to accumulate with our largest customer uh, uh, slacking off substantially on their purchases and would you mention one more time the website where people sure. can go to find more information that's www.ssap red.org. Very good. Thank you for taking time to talk to us today, Derek. We appreciate you very much. Thank you, Keith. Next up, I sat down with Dr. Jeremy Ross, Extension Soybean Agronomist, to talk about the latest USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service survey, which projected 2019 soybean acreage in Arkansas will be 2.65 million acres. If that holds, it would be the smallest statewide acreage since 1960. Jeremy, thank you for visiting with us a little bit today. As we all know, we have reported on uh, how difficult it was to get our crops planted earlier in the year. Many of the crops had to be replanted sometimes two and even three times. I talked to one grower who said they were planting soybeans in July and even maybe around the 1st of August earlier this month. That's way, way late to even think about planting the crop because you deal with the weather conditions later on this fall at the end of the season uh, and, and potential frost issues that you might deal with. But uh, first of all, just talk about uh, from your perspective and talking with our soybean farmers, Jeremy, uh, the crops in the ground now, we're approaching harvest season and uh, how does a crop look at this stage based on the fact that we've had some drier weather here this month? Well, you know, the crop is all over the board. Uh, we have 
some crop that's actually getting pretty close to harvest. Uh, I've uh, seen some, talked to some farmers and some county agents uh, that down in, you know, extreme southern Arkansas where they were able to get planted early, you know, typical planting conditions. Um, you know, some of that crop is progressing pretty rapidly uh, toward maturity. And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, within the next seven to ten days, we may have some beans, you know, harvested in, in, in southern Arkansas. But then also, you know, driving around the state, you know, a couple of weeks ago, ten days ago, I saw some planters rolling through the fields, you know, planting beans. And so we've got, you know, beans that are pretty close to harvest and beans that just got put in the ground, you know, not too long ago. And so... This is probably the most spread out crop I've probably seen in my uh, my professional career. Uh, the main reason is the the weather conditions that we had, you know, in the spring, and it was really pretty much a carryover from the the weather conditions we had last fall during harvest. And you know, it was typically you know about this time last year when we started seeing uh, uh, rainfall. Uh, about the middle of August, we started seeing rain, and it pretty much rained, you know, up until really May. And so with the wet conditions there in the fall, uh, producers got behind on uh, getting fields prepped for the 2019 crop. That put them behind. Uh, the rainfalls we had there in the spring uh, kept them behind because they couldn't get into fields to do any field work or to get planted. And then, you know, with the flooding conditions we had along the, the rivers, the Mississippi River and the, the Arkansas River uh, there in May, that really put a lot of those producers behind. And so because of the, the weather conditions and, and how late we got on trying to get this crop planted is the reason that, you know, we're we're seeing acreage uh, below 300 million acres or 300 million acres that we typically have seen the last seven to eight years. Um, USDA has us somewhere in that uh, 2.7 million acre range. I think you know, I think that's the lowest since we've seen you know in the 60s. Um, but you know I think a lot of it is uh, the weather conditions prevented uh, producers from getting planted, along with the the commodity prices. I think. A lot of guys were putting pencils to it, especially uh, some of these late planted fields, and and they just weren't able to to see where they were going to make a profit with planting their soybean crop, you know, June, July, August, and and really seeing much of a profit with the the way that the commodity prices are today. And you uh, referenced uh, the acreage, the planted acreage there. There was a, a survey conducted that the Agricultural Statistics Service conducts every summer. As we approach the harvest season, once the planting should be completed, and it's it's startling, uh, Jeremy, to read that uh, that survey uh, indicates, as you just said, soybean acres are expected to be in the 2.7 to 2.6 million acre range, and that's down almost 600,000 acres from last year. We typically have right around 3.2 to 3.3 million acres planted, and and that's pretty consistent year to year, but uh, we're down almost 600,000. What are the implications of our uh, acreage being down this low? What does that mean? Well, you know, having the Reduction in acreage is going to, you know, it's going to be widespread, uh, felt, you know, not just from a producer, but, 
you know, it's going to have the trickle-down effect, you know, to the, uh, you know, talking to the seed dealers, you know, their their sales are off a little bit, you know, from from not having the seed planted on, on that acreage that wasn't planted. Uh, talking to, you know, several uh, chemical reps, you know, their numbers are off a little bit just because we don't have the acreage, you know, typically that we have, and, and, and therefore we don't need to apply some of these pesticides, you know, your insecticides or fungicides or herbicides on these acreage. And so, you know, it's just a trickle-down effect, uh, you know, with the, the industry folks uh, talking to the implement guys, you know, their numbers are off a little bit uh, just because everybody is down this year in production. And because of that, you know, we're probably not going to see the, the movement in uh, tractor sales and implement sales and things like that. Um, you know, to the you know to the co-ops and to the other industry that kind of a lot of people don't think about you know you know when we're talking about when we have a, a, a acreage decline, uh, most people just think about the producers, but there's a lot of uh, infrastructure and a lot of other people that that rely on these producers you know to sell chemicals and, for, and fertilizers and seed and uh, other things like that, that that the farmers need, and so. I think, you know, with the re- reduction in acres that we're going to have this year, we're just going to kind of see, uh, you know, maybe some depression a little bit in some of the the, the other other things we really don't think about from year to year that the farmers have to really rely on. But, you know, that's also going to be, you know, a reduction in, uh, you know, the, the prices that the farmers are going to get or the final numbers. Um, you know, if you don't have anything planted, you're not going to get paid on that uh, unless you have insurance or, or some of these federal payments. But still, you know, that's just a, you know, a fraction of what the income that a farmer could see if he actually was able to get a, a crop planted on that acreage. And so, you know, hopefully most everybody can make it through this year, you know, with the, the decrease in acreage, uh, with all the commodities that we have in the state. Um you know, the the I guess the one one point, or the, I guess the, the the silver lining in 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 this whole thing is, I have seen a lot of producers able to to get in and do some land leveling and, and do some uh, you know land prep for maybe next spring. Um, but again, you know, just leaving a, a field out, you still got to you know, do some implements or pull some implements or put some herbicide out there to prevent, you know, weeds from growing up during during the summer because the the last thing we want to do is is on some of these fields that don't have a commodity is let the the weeds and the and the pigweeds and the grasses and other things like that build up and produce seed and then therefore we're gonna to have to, to fight those next year. So even though, you know, a lot of this acreage doesn't have a commodity on it uh, we're, you know, producers are still having to spend some money to try to keep those fields clean, or you know, trying to do some land leveling and things like that to try to improve the irrigation on some of these fields. So, you know, we're still, you know, producers are still spending money, even though they're they're not going to have a, a commodity crop in those in those fields. Yes, sir, uh, and I appreciate your pointing that out because just because the field is is being set aside or laid fallow without a commodity crop they still have to protect that ground that soil and and you answered a question really you're kind of referenced uh weed pressure this when you lay a field out like that 
Uh, does that allow, and, and soybeans, have, as we all know, we've reported over these last four to five years how serious uh, the pigweed p- uh, control really is. Does this just increase that pressure? It does. Um, and, you know, as we get later in the season, the, you know, the, the, the weed pressure seems to uh, decline, you know, just because we don't have the environmental conditions for those seed to germinate. But, you know, especially if you're talking about pigweed or palmer amaranth, you know, it, it doesn't take much moisture for, you know, a, a, a pigweed seed to emerge and and grow. And then, you know, it can be fairly small and, and still produce a seed head and produce, you know, several hundred seed in a, in a short period of time. And so if, if some of these fields kind of get away from some of our producers and, and they're not able to get out there and, you know, kind of keep them clean throughout the season, we could really put a lot of seed into our seed bank, you know, in a, in a rapid fashion if we're not out there controlling these, these especially the pigweed uh, population. And, you know, as you know, you know, some some areas of the state have multiple resistance to, to the Palmer amaranth. Uh, we've got, you know, glyphosate, PPO resistant, uh, the, the DNAs, the uh, ALS resistance. And so, you know, we've been fighting pigweeds for the last several years. It's probably been our number one pest we've been, you know, combating, and especially soybeans and cotton. But, you know, to, to kind of stay ahead of the game, we need to try to keep these these fallow fields as clean as possible so we don't have to deal with, you know, a huge pigweed issue, you know, for 2020. Let's talk about the harvest, the pending harvest that we're, uh, as you said, already maybe getting underway very, very soon, if not already, down in extreme southeast Arkansas. Uh, what type of yield do you think we have? I know in years past when we have a normal growing season, we're able to report on uh, how growers are utilizing technology and on parts of their fields we have that 100 bushel an acre challenge and contest and many of them have been able to exceed that. Uh, are we going to get anywhere close to that on any of these fields this year? Well, you know, it's it's still kind of to, to be determined. Um, you know, USDA came out and, and, and I think, you know, they predicted a 51 bushel state average. Um, you know, if you look at uh, Arkansas, Missouri, uh, we were really not, that, that yield wasn't changed much over the, the last report that came out. But if you look at the northern states, the I-states, you know, they're down on soybean yield anywhere from, you know, a bushel and a half to, you know, some as much as 10 bushels, you know, off off of their normal, you know, state average. And so I was kind of surprised at the 51 uh, just because of how late we were uh, planted in, in Arkansas. Um, you know, I think, you know, that maybe they're looking at the trends over the last several years and they're just, you know, really didn't have a really good indication of what the yields could be. But, you know, from driving across the state and, and looking at fields, you know, I, I think it's probably going to be somewhat less than 51. You know, I'm, I'm at this point, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a shot in the dark. But, you know, I think we're going to be in that mid to upper 40s uh, with the, the the acreage that we have and when it was planted. So if you kind of go back and look at the planting progress, um, the 1st of June, we still had 50% of our crop to get planted. And so if you look at some data uh, from a research project that Dr. Larry Purcell at Fayetteville conducted a couple of years ago, 
um, he did a, a planning day by maturity group, and if if you look at that data, um, we've already actually lost some yield off the maximum yield uh, if we're planting, you know, the first of June or later. And so that's you know, depending on what part of the state it, you, you know you're at, that's you know seven to thirteen percent loss in yield off the maximum yield uh, with plantings the first of June. And so if you look at the 20, uh, 2019 compared to 2018 in the five-year average, uh, you know, we were behind uh, those planning progresses, either, you know, 25% for 2018 or 34% for the five-year average. And so that's a pretty good significant chunk of our acreage that, you know, just because it was delayed planning, you know, we're, we've already lost the, you know, 7 15% of our, our maximum yield. So... Because you know half of our crop was planted after the first of June, you know I, I don't think you know we have the potential to maximize yield. And, you know I don't think we're going to set a new state record, but you know I, I think you know because of a significant amount is planted, you know after the first of June, uh, we're, we're going to be down a little bit uh, off of uh, what USD is predicting. But that's not to say you know you know we got some really good looking fields. Um, you know the, the you know soybeans are really kind of turned around in the last month, but the last uh, ten days or so when we've had you know heat indexes of a hundred plus, that has really you know kind of been a detriment a little bit to the to the potential. Uh, soybeans uh, really like around eighty six degrees for optimum growth and development, and if as long as we can kind of be around that temperature, you know we can you know maximize the efficiency of the plants and anytime we have nighttime temperatures you know in the upper 70s into 80s like we've had you know a couple of times uh, the last seven to ten days that really puts a lot of stress on the soybean plant and especially if we're in reproduction that can really impact our our final yield the one thing that does kind of concern me is especially with the uh, you know probably some of these uh, fields planted after the first of july is you know are these are these fields going to be able to 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 mature out before we we see our frost? And so if you kind of look at the calendar dates, uh, typically in Arkansas we average a frost somewhere around the the end of October, first of November, uh, depending on where you are in the state. And so if you look at you know July, August, September, October, that's about 120 days. And so you know with these these crops that are planted, you know July first and on i've got some concern that you know hopefully uh, we can we can finish you know the, the year strong and, and those fields won't be affected by frost but you know if you look at some of the weather uh, uh, predictions they're they're calling for early frost in some parts of the u.s and so um, i've got my fingers crossed hopefully we won't have an early frost in arkansas and we can kind of finish up some of these late planted fields and not have to not having problems with a late frost and lose yield on these late planted fields. And unlike in 2018, just uh, less than a year ago, we won't have excessive rainfall that keeps the combines out of the fields. That's true. Uh, it was a struggle last year. Um, you know, we had tremendous problems um, trying to get equipment through the field to, to harvest the crop, uh, not only in soybeans, but the other com- some of the other commodities. Uh, because of the excessive rainfall and, and relatively warmer con- uh, temperatures last fall we had during harvest, 
we had a, a tremendous amount of quality problems in, in the, the soybean crop. And it wasn't just Arkansas. I mean, it was uh, the Mid-South and even up into the, to, to the northern states. You know, I talked to several, several of my peers in other states, and, and pretty much every every state that had soybeans had some kind of quality issues uh, last year. And so that was a carryover, you know, because we had quality issues in the fall of 2018. We had uh, some seed quality issues in the spring of 2019 that that caused some um, replants. Um, because of some of these issues, you know, I, I walked numerous fields uh, during the spring where we, you know, didn't have adequate stands. Uh, one farmer in particular he planted twice, and if you added up both plantings, uh, he planted about 340,000 seed per acre. And with both of those plantings, he was only able to get up about 60,000 uh, plants per acre. And so that's that's barely minimum of, of a lot of our research that we do. Uh, we need to have somewhere around 70 to 75,000 plants per acre to try to to start to maximize yield. And so we had, you know, tremendous amounts of problems with seed quality this year. And so my my hope is maybe we can have a little bit drier fall, uh, especially, you know, in some of these seed production uh, fields. Uh, We can get in and get those harvested in a timely manner, and hopefully we won't have the seed quality problem that we had in 2018 and 2019 and then a carryover into the seed uh, that we'll plant in 2020. Jeremy, has this been the most difficult growing season for Arkansas growers you've experienced in your career? Uh, it is. I mean, I've, you know, in talking to, you know, some of the, the older farmers, you know, they, you know, back in the 80s, you know, we had some droughty years and, you know, and, and had some problems. But but every, pretty much everybody I've talked to, they've, they've never experienced a year like 2019 has been. Uh, and even for me, I mean, you know, I... I've never had to replant an entire location of research. Uh, you know, occasionally we may have to go in and replant a you know an individual test for one reason or another. But um, just like you know, producers, we were late getting our research uh, plots planted, uh, especially at the Newport location. Um, finally got dry enough. We went in and planted. Should have been perfect conditions. And then, you know, a couple of days after we got planted, we got, you know, quite a bit of rain, several inches of rain that, that stayed on the field for an extended period of time and pretty much had to go back in and replant, uh, you know, about four weeks after that first planting, about eight different tests. And so, you know, you know, the, the, the bad part is, you know, it, it wasn't when I wanted to get planted, but... I guess the again, kind of the silver lining in this this cloud is, is you know at least we do have some late planted data now. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll be able to put that in a filing cabinet and never have to pull it out again, and we never have to have you know again fifty percent of our crop planted after the first of June. But at least we will have some data, you know, kind of talking about yield potential and what different products do, you know, with some of these late planted uh, plots, but. It's uh, it's been a struggle uh, all year. I mean, I you know, I've I've struggled with farmers. I've struggled with my research, um, and it's just everything's behind. Uh, but you know, hopefully, you know, we'll have a moderate, a little bit better, moderate conditions. You know, the rest of August into September, uh, October, and hopefully, you know, the year will end with 
really good environmental conditions and, and what yield potential we have, hopefully we can uh, maintain that and maximize it to the best uh, that we can. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I appreciate your taking the time to update us on the status of the crop this year. Soybean production is uh, one of our most valuable cash crops we have in Arkansas. And it's been a challenge uh, for bean growers as well as uh, rice, cotton, and our other commodities. Corn corn is coming off right now, and it's been a challenge getting a corn crop in, but uh, the harvest is underway for our corn crop as well. And so let's revisit again here in about two, three months, Jeremy, and see what kind of harvest we have and then what the outlook may be for uh, for the next year. Sounds good, Ken. I appreciate it. Been speaking with Jeremy Ross. He is the Extension Soybean Agronomist for the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Thank you for joining us for Arkansas AgCast. Look for a new episode next Thursday when we talk to a large animal veterinarian and discuss the production of hops as an alternative crop to support local breweries in the state.